Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Yeah, heavens and welcome in to Flipping Out Radio, the most American podcast ever created. And this is great because as much as... Uh, now, am I using your actual name? I just yeah, you can use my name. I, um, I, I've just started... I've started to share my shit on like my personal Facebook page. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, it's I'm funny. out of the closet as a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, and this is what's really unfortunate about the whole podcast thing, and I truly believe that it's actually killed some of my passion for doing it, is that every single person has some kind of a podcast now. If you want to consider podcast as videos and uh, you know audio little recordings that people will put up on their Facebook and Twitter and Instagram page and stuff like that, everybody's there's nothing unique about it. And actually, it was really funny. I was listening to WOR the other day, which is the station I work for. And Mark Simone, longtime radio host, was like bitching so much about like, everybody's got a podcast. You know, it takes some skill to do this. And I'm like, well, my dude, they're kind of showing you that maybe it does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. It's, uh, Howard Stern, I don't think he's a big fan of the medium either. I think no, he he's got, definitely not. He got into a I have an audio bite somewhere in my file of him saying like, you know, podcast? The hell is a podcast or yeah, something like yeah, that? Yeah, he was getting into it with uh, Ari Shafir, I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's I don't because you can just plug in and do it now. Um, so then, let me actually introduce you as Mike Montone. Yeah, it's perfectly legal. You are now about to experience the most American podcast ever created. Rumpus time is over. Rumpus, Rumpus, Rumpus time is over. Time is over. Time is over. Come on, the The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And I'm excited about this little venture here. Yeah, we. so, you know, you and I have been, uh, we've known each other for a while because you went to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, so did I. And back when that internet radio station existed, known oh, as yeah, MTR, MTR. MTR Radio. MTR Radio. You had a show on there. Yeah. Uh, the magic meatball or the, no electric uh, meatball? Electric sauce, yeah. Electric sauce, because you're dropping dance beats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And your alter ego at that time, I think, was meatball. Oh yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was about forty pounds heavier too. Yeah. yeah. No, you were, you were definitely uh, living up to the title we're and bust. <laughs> and that whole thing. So that whole show that once existed on that network that once existed is kind of a connection that we had. And um, this is actually a, a funny thing. So Mike. And I have decided that, you know, we're going to try to do this podcast together that's going to maintain the, you know, flipping out radio thing that has existed in some form or another since the CSB days and is now on RadioMisfits.com, which you would re Mike had reached out to me about and said, you know, what's up with Radio Misfits? It only makes sense, I guess, to kind of keep our spot on Radio Misfits and at yeah. least have a place to put content out there. So um, the hope is that Mike and I can kind of you know, partner together to do some new things. But I wanted to ask you, I noticed through, um, you, you mentioned that you've come out on Facebook as a uh, podcaster, that we have mutual friends or people that I know that you must know from Glen Ridge, which is my hometown. Oh, yeah. Because of, is that like the Jersey Shore yeah, connection? I had shore. a feeling. They're my neighbors. Those guys are animals. So, <laughs> I fucking okay. love those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you guys lived in like, you had a rental shore house near each other. Is I, that what happened? Yeah, they, we uh, we shared a backyard in Manasquan. I, had, I, I did Manasquan for like three or four summers before I switched over to Belmar. And then I like the second year, these guys moved into the house behind us. I thought, these guys are fucking great. Yeah. So all right. So those are uh, for the most part guys that I, you know, played sports with and also went to high school with. They were a year. That whole crew, to the extent that I know who it is that's included in that, was actually like a year younger than me. But we ran in a lot of the same circles. So when I saw that, I was like, okay, that's got to be you know, the Jersey Shore connection. And and yeah. plus having known that you did the whole show you did playing you know, the type of music oh, that yeah. you did. I imagine there was some crossover there between you guys. Yeah, there as well. was a considerable amount of booze and stimulants being <laughs> consumed in that, in that neighborhood. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Makes sense. Podcast is for losers. You understand? Um, all right. Actually, you know what? I'm going to have to ask you. I don't know if... Uh, this is this is not the content right now, but the the Wi-Fi just so I can actually get on my. It's, uh, uh, it's DFBT six or whatever combination of that you'll see pop up. DF. All right, at some point it'll pop up. 
Um, but anyway, we have a lot to talk about today. And oh, there it is. There's there's stuff going on that clearly falls on um, you know gender lines and, yeah. and, and the majority Big of the time. way people think about things is showing itself out to be along those lines when discussing the Kavanaugh thing and the whole allegations against Judge Kavanaugh. And unless you live under a rock, we don't really need to tell the whole story of exactly what's going on. So um, my kind of connection to it and what I was going to open it up and share and have the discussion start at was that I work in an office that's mostly women right now. Yeah. And the hysteria connected to this is what you might expect you know uh, allegations of sexual assault a high school girl being taken advantage of potentially um allegedly i should say and it, it draws out a lot of emotions from women similarly yesterday i was talking to my mom about it and she as the mother of three sons and you know uh has a husband. She doesn't seem to hate men too much, at least at this point. You know, yeah, more surrounded by four. Right, right. She, you know, feels very um, viscerally that it's wrong that somebody should be able to be accused of such an awful thing without any, you know, corroborating evidence. Yeah. So anyway, my whole thing is I try to keep my mouth shut about it at work. It's not always so easy. So what's your experience been with this whole thing? Um, yeah, I, I spend a lot of time on Twitter. Yeah, me too. Which probably is rough. too much time. So yeah, I, I see it there. And if you, I think if you're on Twitter, you you will believe that every every woman on the planet is like a rabid feminist um, who who wants to see Kavanaugh fry uh, around. Uh, we I mean we work at pretty similar places uh, around uh, around where I work. It, it doesn't get you'll get like one or two people who fly into like a fit every time something political comes on one of the TVs but um it's not um it's definitely not like a oh more of this it's more of like a oh huh, is that going on right now right right uh, it it hasn't been it hasn't been too pervasive um i haven't it's cuz i'm ensconced in it every day at work uh especially yeah doing, when you work in any kind of a news environment and we both work you even more so than me yeah. you know work for stations that are kind of based around news and stuff like that in the radio world um, you can't get away from it. There's, yeah. there's no getting away like from my, it, which is pretty overwhelming. The, after la- a while. the last two days of my week, or the the end of my week since the um, probably since the the yeah, the running train or the gang rape allegations came <laughs> yeah, out, yeah, yeah. Uh, have just been like all Kavanaugh. Like it's just been like the amount of like other stories I work on has probably dropped by like a third. Yeah, because uh, because of Kavanaugh. So it's like weird. I haven't really talked about it much with people outside of work so i've really been dealing it with it in a very um mechanical way just like okay this is what happened like this is what the judiciary committee said this is what so-and-so said like, right in- injecting no no real opinion I-, I live streamed it uh the other morning um when like the gangbang stuff or whatever it first came out but that's really been about about it but yeah. there's, there's so, mu- so much to dissect there's a ton to, to dive into and mike for those of you who don't know has his own um you know blog and, and and video podcast uh known as the savage sack tap yeah i gotta give you some stickers before you leave I okay great please yeah. do and you can check that out to get his own personal commentary on all kinds of stuff but um you know definitely i guess the best place is your facebook page for the most part uh, yeah facebook.com slash the savage crew and then twitter at mike montone and instagram is uh, at gary underscore moiler m-o-y-l-e-r okay and montone is m-o-n-t-o-n-e yeah um, so go ahead and check that out and ch- check out the Savage crew on Facebook for his videos. But yeah, look, it, it's it's tough because th- the the problem I have with being in the setting that I'm in is it's a lot of um, people sitting close to each other, working on a lot of the same things and chatter. We call it the chit chat crew kind of, you know, just continues because a lot of the time we're writing when we're in uh, during the day shift. It's writing for other radio stations about these different stories. And, you know, the women, some of them are a little bit more effusive than others with saying things like, oh, I can't believe this. Oh, I just, oh, I can't. But ooh, I, you know, a lot of like, uh, pearl clutching. I, exactly. I, yeah, it's, uh... And look, for the most part, I'm able to kind of stay above the fray. If you've ever listened to this show before, you know that I'm clearly right of center and that my political leanings are what they are. But I try to stay out of it as most as best I can. I really only comment on politics and stuff like that on Twitter, at least these days. 
Um, I used to more on Facebook, but got away from that for reasons that include that a lot of my coworkers, I'm now friends with them on Facebook. So I don't need. Yeah, that's that's actually that why it took there. me so long to even share like my podcasting and stuff on Facebook. I was just like worried about like it getting around at work. And then people, so I would use Twitter, and then people from work started following me on Twitter. I was like, ah, I guess yeah, I'm yeah. No, it's t- and, and of course, you know, a couple people every now and then they'll be like, well, you know, please just don't lose your job. And I, I know. Like, you know what? It's Damn like a- it! It sucks that that has to even be. You know, yeah. I'm not saying anything wrong. I'm not doing anything wrong. You're you're share, but like you're you're sharing a controversial opinion, and it's like d- doing that in a social media space. Uh, it, it immediately takes because like, the the mob right now, like the social media mob. Uh, I feel like tends toward the left. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like in ter- just in terms of like outrage and stuff. Because like when we were growing up in the uh, like the '90s and the early 2000s. Now, the- what year were you born? Uh, 85. Oh, same as me. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So like I, when I was growing up, the the people trying to shut everyone up or get people in trouble for what they said, it was like it was like the Christian Coalition, like the the uh, like the fuck you know Families for America, like yeah. the very. The more conservative groups who are like worried that uh, you know the the devil and the hip hop and the Marilyn Manson were gonna were gonna be the problem exactly and, and now it's like done a complete counterswing. These people who came from these places where you would have thought they'd be all about you know expression and speech and everything it's uh, have have completely uh, they want everyone to just clam up. Or else. Yeah, it's it's a scary uh, proposition sometimes putting yourself out there because you just start to feel. Uh, vulnerable in a yeah. weird way because you're like, okay, who is it that's looking at this and thinking about this and sending things to here and, oh, I'm going to contact your boss or whatever it may be, this, that, the other. And so I've always said at work, whenever anything comes up about the Kavanaugh thing in particular, because most of the time, to be honest with you, I find like an almost, not to pat myself on the back, but an almost kind of skillful way to put it in, a, in my own words that I'm not going to agree with you about bashing Trump on this one or yeah. something like that. But for this one, I've just said... <laughs> You know what? I'm just going to stay out of this one, guys. I'm just going to keep it to myself. And I think I sort of said what I needed to say without saying it by doing that. It's uh, it's difficult to discuss uh, something like this with anyone who's like it's because there's an element to it where I guess if you are a woman and you've had this kind of experience, right, you're going to look at it in a completely different way than I, as a dude who hasn't had that kind of experience, will will look at it even at without even getting into whether this you know this guy did the things he's accused of sure. or not it's you're just, talking about the general issue yeah, of sexual assault yeah you're going to it's going to be very hard for you to it's it, i i can't imagine a sexual assault survivor it being easy for them to have a pragmatic discussion about uh, the rights of the accused and and this guy you know going right. into such a powerful position it's like people who you know god forbid but they they lost family members or whatever it may be in a mass shooting or a gun violence issue yeah. are going to look at the second amendment differently than people who haven't dealt with that or consider themselves sport hun- sport hunters or yeah. you know have had a gun and defended themselves from something that happened or whatever it may be um so yeah that's definitely true and um you know the the whole way that it's become so politicized is obviously to be expected because pretty much everything nowadays it seems has become politicized but the whole supreme court argument and you know i i was thinking about it it's almost like now not only are you appointing referees which is what these judges are really supposed to be but you're kind of almost trying to figure out are they like pro offense or are they more likely to call pass interference or what are they going to call roughing the passer like you're trying to figure out what kind of referee they are and that's really not what it's supposed to be obviously the cat's out of the bag and it's been that way for a while but it's kind of crazy at this point how these people feel a certain type of way about abortion yeah let's be honest let's call a spade a spade yeah and they'll stop at nothing to keep a guy out that they think is going to overturn abortion yeah there's well yeah there's the it's there are two very distinct camps on on the abortion thing i feel well two very distinct vocal camps I think if you poll the average person on abortion, they'd probably wind up somewhere in the middle and be like, hey, you know, I think there are cases where abortions are warranted, but I'm uncomfortable with the idea of them after a certain point. It's, I think I think most people would be more willing than than our political our very public political discussion lets on on the abortion issue. But those are the people who are motivated enough to get into office and or or be part of a lobby or something like that. So what happens is it manifests itself in this like absurd, absurd public battle. Yeah, it really does. Uh, by the way, so he's Mike. I'm James. And we're doing this whole flipping out radio thing on RadioMisfits.com. You can check out his Savage Crew 
on Facebook. He's got a Savage Sack Tap podcast. Uh, and of course, you can check me out on Twitter as you have potentially uh, at Jama Drop, J A M A D R O P. So the whole thing with Kavanaugh. Obviously, it got a little bit ridiculous once they finally uh, unveiled the name behind this initial accuser. This other woman came out and said that he whipped it out in her face while well, they were Which at Yale and then is, this gang it, rape stuff. It's so each of the accusations is so wholly different than the other one. You know, the one uh, the woman who testified that was it Dr. Ford. Yeah. Um, hers it seems like. I mean, it could have been this massive range of things like just two drunk dudes fucking around and being idiots. They're 17 years old and they're fucking hammered and they're they're at a party blasting music. They do something. They do something jerky all the way up to an actual attempted rape. Who the fuck knows? I mean, I it's, it happened in 1982. Yeah. And it's a his word against hers. And, and let's just throw it out there and say that all of this should be more or less taken with a grain of salt because we're two guys who clearly, as we mentioned, weren't alive at this point. Yeah. And we're trying to figure out, uh, okay, based off our kind of like shared anecdotal experiences of being at parties and having drank at a certain age, all this kind of thing. One thing, and Smoke one. the marijuana, yeah. do this, do that, and don't worry about it. I'll put it out there. I, I'm just going to kind of mention my theory, because why the fuck not? Yeah. My theory is almost as though, potentially, what may have happened to this woman legitimately did, but it also could have been somebody who, in her mind's eye, looked like Kavanaugh, was similar to Kavanaugh, ran in the same social circles as him, and then all the years later... She starts to have yep. this confirmation bias because she's clearly on the opposite side of him politically. She knew he was in the Ken Starr uh, investigation. She knew that he was um, a federal judge. She knew, obviously, that he'd then been nominated to the Supreme Court. So maybe, just maybe, since I'm kind of throwing a maybe defense type yep. out there, you know, cast a shadow of the doubt, which I get this isn't a criminal matter. It's a, it's a job interview, as people like to say, but still. Um there's a there's a there's a situation out there where they both could almost be telling the truth and she just remembers it and, and pictures it the wrong way to to try and figure this all out all these years later is a little bit ridiculous yeah it's it's like impossible and fuck for all we know it it Kavanaugh could have done it to, definitely like, there's literally because we're talking about a a, a small teenage cir- social circle from the early 1980s we have no idea, like who to believe, what to be, and it's unfortunate that politics have become so like so tribal and so contentious that the idea of one party doing this to um to get in the way of another party's political goals isn't beyond like to say when people are like it's disgusting that you could even question it. It's not because politics have gotten so disgusting that I have to question it. Um. And again, that doesn't mean that it is being uh, made up or fabricated. It just means that in in this grand scheme of this conversation, we also have to consider is is this bullshit? That's a really good point, because part of it is like, look, wait a second. If you fall on one side of the issue and one side of the spectrum and these debates and everything that's going on right now, chances are you consider, for example, Donald Trump to be this cartoonish, awful Nazi fascist who basically wants to take over the world. We have to bring back law and order. So if we're going to follow that premise and walk it out, there's almost nothing that somebody would do to stop Adolf Hitler's rise. So, I mean, if you actually truly believe that, why wouldn't we question whatever you may be doing to stop it? I mean, we're in a time where it's where people like have like bumper stickers to say, I I punch Nazis. Uh, Like it's it's people are if you if you go on Twitter and you see this hysteria surrounding uh, American politics now and people are literally saying like it's too late. It's like there are nothing is too far to save America from whatever terrible thing is apparently going on. Because I feel like I feel like most people are doing actually doing pretty well relative to the rest of the of, of the planet. Even if you're in the if you're in the middle class in America or even like the lower middle class, you're probably not doing awful. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because there was some woman on Twitter, a journalist. I can't remember who it's somebody who's a, actually I should say more of a columnist. And she kind of falls on the conservative side of things. And she had said something like, you know what, if you get off Twitter and you go out to the cities and you talk to people and you see what's going on. 
people are actually doing okay and yeah. life is going on and people are interacting different races different genders different this different that they're actually living together in harmony and it was so funny because the responses were basically like no they're not no they're not like she's like you're making my point right now get off the computer and go outside immediately he started to roll a blunt like uh, honestly uh i'm obviously a straight white male football player fucking meathead like one of the most fun nights I've had this year was a night out with, like, a table full of, like, lesbians and left-wing, like, media types. Like, but they're, like, good people. We had a great time. We weren't fucking tied up in this stupid little battle that we're fighting with each other on, uh, on our phones. It's true. It's really true. And, and there's so much of it that you just can't get away from. So, anyway, we're not just going to talk about this today. Uh, hopefully, at this point, you haven't either become so invested in it that it's like, damn it, why not? Or you're open to whatever else we might talk about, which is um, a number of things. One of them being, I know we're both Mets fans. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, David Wright is hanging him up, or at least he hasn't said that officially, but it would appear as though um, this game on. We're recording on the Saturday that he's going to be playing that game. It has not happened yet. So if he goes out there and like awfully his like spine snaps in half and, you know, I mean, I'm not even it's trying to. I shouldn't say anything. Right. I mean, seriously, I may have just like shot the clown um, <laughs> <laughs> seriously. But uh, as, as long as everything kind of goes well with his bow out and his goodbye and everything like that, this is kind of what we're talking about that. I find it interesting. I, I was always, I think, um, like overly critical and not really appreciative of David Wright and what he was and what he accomplished for one thing, because as a Met fan, obviously you're hoping to see them win a world series that didn't happen despite his best efforts and his kind of, you know, really frankly being an MVP candidate in the early half of his career. Um, but beyond that, when, and we're the same age, so I think you'll understand what I'm talking about when you're um, a, a a young man, like before your teenage years and you're watching sports and all this kind of thing, the last thing on your mind, unless you're like a super nerdy, uh, advanced sabermetrics kid as like, you know, with the calculator and the books and stuff. You'd always try the broadcast booth. You don't need talent in there. You're not thinking about contracts. You're not thinking about how much money these guys are making. Yeah, you might have heard your old man be like, you know, is not cutting it for that salary or like whatever. You know, <laughs> yeah. that type of thing. I've heard that a number of times. <laughs> I've uh, through the uh, through the mid nine. <laughs> I mean, I, we Actually, could throw I the names out paying. there, right? Yeah, we're still uh, Saberhagen, Vince Coleman, uh, you know, but yeah, sure, let's go. Alex Ochoa, right? Exactly. Um, so that all being said, you sort of took for granted that there are people out there. Um, not even to try and pick on a guy, but, you know, Bryce Harper, for whatever reason, he's got his contract here this year, kind of played like a douche, didn't run a lot of balls yeah. out, you know, kind of sulked and was moody and all this kind of thing. Doesn't put on a good face as he's going out there to try to get a contract, the least thing you would expect from somebody. Uh, Robinson Cano, as a, as a longtime Yankee, you know, caught flack for that he wouldn't bust it down the line or bust it out of the box or so on and so forth. That's not even really what I'm referring to in terms of hustle on the field, but just how much of a... Um, Solid dude, David Wright seems to be. Yeah. Uh, of course, in this day and age, like, watch you tomorrow, we'll figure yeah. out some Me Too with him. But no, no. Um, you know, the, the solid nature of a guy who just kind of goes out there, tries really hard, fights his ass off to basically have, like, one last game to play, fighting through a painful rehab, yeah. a tough this, that, the other. Yeah, did he strike out more than I would have liked? Did he kind of fall off from a guy who seemed to be like he was going to be, like, the, the Mets, you know, savior to a guy who was just extremely good and then, unfortunately, with the injuries, kind of derailed his whole career? Um, was he going to be on a Hall of Fame track? Yes, he, he probably was. But I definitely took for granted kind of knowing more of what I know now about the sports world and the temptations of guaranteed money and being a millionaire and all this kind of stuff, I took for granted what it was that he kind of did and how he carried himself throughout his career. Yeah, I. Uh, it's funny that all this is going on this weekend, and the NFL Network just ran last night uh, Tony Romo, a football life. Oh, okay. For me, there now, are, you're a Cowboy fan, yeah, right? Okay. There are a lot of parallels there um, because Tony was supposed to be the quarterback, the savior, yep. and he – I mean – Times early in his career, he got pegged with this, you know, the, the trip to Cabo and the the uh, the Jessica Simpson and Carrie Underwood. And but if you like get a feel for who Tony Romo really is, he was this incredibly hardworking guy. He's, you know, I think from the time he became the the starter at um, or even when he was the backup at Eastern Illinois, he had a football in his hand every day and was throwing passes every day. And then it ends so anticlimactically with um, first the uh, the Dez catch, no catch, and then 
you know, he gets broken pretty much two seasons in a row. Um, and then it just these like hopes that you've had for like David Wright. You know, how, how long did we did we watch him? Like what year did he come up? It was 2000. I want to say it was 2004. Um, let me think about this because it very well may have been 2003 that he came up mid season. I mean, we could look it up. So, I mean, uh, but yeah, I'll put it to you this way. I was working as a rec counselor. Uh, I just graduated high school. So I know it was either 03 or 04. And, um, I remember reading the star ledger back when they actually had like an extensive yeah. sports yeah. page, one of the best, uh, in the area back when they really had it like that. And they were breaking down this kid and his and his ascension and how he'd been ripping it up in the minors and all this kind of thing. And do they call him up now? Do they not call him up now? You may remember that Ty Wigington was their wow. third baseman at the time. Yeah, and, talk about a name from the fucking past. Yeah, and he was actually doing pretty well for them. It was kind of one of those like, well, it's not so much that he's not doing well. It's just that Wright's destroying it in double A right now. Yeah. So what do we do? And if memory serves, they actually moved Wigington to second when okay. they first called Wright up. Um, but that might be wrong because they had Kaz Matsui at the time. They might have played Wigginton at first oh, man, a little bit. Old days. Anyway, around that time, they traded Wigginton and somebody to the Pirates for, uh, I can't remember who, I think a relief pitcher or something like that. I don't think that's when they got Xavier Nady, um, although they did get him from the Pirates. So... Anyway, uh, it was around that time. It was the early 2000s, really, when this guy came up. And we would have both been more or less just about getting out of uh, yeah. high school. Uh, well, yeah, well, my, my I want to say my most vivid, like, Mets memories from around that time are obviously 06. Yeah. The, uh, what the, a lineup. Holy oh, crap, man. man. <laughs> oh, what I would do to watch Hope's, watch a lineup like Hope's that again. dashed again. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing, man. There's There's times when... And I can only imagine what it must be like for a guy like David Wright to actually go through um, when he, you know, clearly had his own career uh, cut short to an extent with the injuries and all that kind of stuff. But damn, they really should have won in 2006. I mean, that just, yeah, that sucked. That Cardinals team, they got hot at the right time. They yeah. really weren't that good. Their pitching staff, like, totally destroyed us. That, like, Jeff Supon pitched like he was Greg Maddox. And uh, they would have destroyed the Tigers, just yeah. like the Cardinals. Bel Beltran leaving the, the bat on his shoulder, is, uh, that's like burned, burned in my memory. Yeah, so I'll tell you a quick story about that. I was, uh, that was when I was in college, and um, you know, I watched all those playoff games, except for I guess a couple were over the weekend, so I'd got, I went out but came back and watched some of them or whatever. And uh, I happened to be watching that particular game. was on a weeknight. So my two buddies, one of whom is from Maryland because I went to Delaware, uh, one of them is a big Orioles fan. The other one is from Delaware is a big Phillies fan. So they were watching the game, but they're not like, and the one Phillies fan isn't really, he's more of a football guy. So they weren't yeah. kind of being dicks about it. They just kind of were watching it, whatever they, they claim to this day that I had the TV off and that I was uh, halfway upstairs to bed before the umpire, even basically like, you Jesus, know, pumped. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that fucking curve, man, Wainwright was yeah. unhittable at that point, just unhittable. And it was. You know, it just wasn't meant to be, I guess. What can you say? Because, I mean, Andy Chavez, he should have gotten the hit the inning after that. Um, you know, Cliff Floyd had come up, and he had his whole injury thing, but then he came back. Drama, the drama and, and the whole, like, baseball script was all oh, there. Oh, it was amazing. The, for snow, it to happen. the snow cone catch, too. It was an amazing play. And, I mean, it's just it's unfortunate, really, that they should have won. If they win, that catch becomes, like, one of the great moments in Mets history. Yeah. So that, I mean, it still is. It still, it still is, like, but it's more like yeah. a footnote now. Yeah. It's more like a, yeah, remember that? That was nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. So, anyway, <laughs> David Wright, unfortunately. Um, and like you said, some similarities to uh, Tony Romo and, and, you know, his injuries and, and what he's gone through and his career having been cut short. Um, a lot of similarities to Don Mattingly, you know, yeah. a guy who – probably would have been a hall of famer also if not for back problems and uh there, there's there's really little you can do once your once your spine starts to go it, that's it, that's pretty much it it amazes me how how guys even continue to play like they're like oh he's gonna try yeah he's like he's gonna come out and play like you're gonna go out and play a professional sport against the the premier talent in that sport on the planet 
with an injury that would prevent a lot of people from doing a fucking desk job. Yeah. Like people would be out on disability from their normal day-to-day lives if they had if they had some of the problems that these guys will continue to to, to play with. So that it drives me nuts when like dudes at a bar are like he's a fucking pussy, he's yeah. fucking slow, he's slow, he's lazy. I'm like, dude, you're uh, a little out of your depth on this one, yeah. boys. No, no, I think you're right. I think that it's definitely a um underrated aspect of being a professional athlete that you got to and i mean baseball is one thing i'll tell you it's hard and, and we talked about how we might get into um you know the issue with these roughing the passer calls oh my god yeah. and uh what might have what how might tony romo's career have been different if uh you know the roughing the passer rules were being called more like they are now who knows with with the injuries that he suffered to his clavicle and all that kind of stuff but bro look at yourself you're an unemployed drunk. You play softball in corduroys, and you still live with your mother. You shave your body hair, wear Speedos down ashore, and root for the Dallas Cowboys. Hey, that's America's team, asshole. Not in Jersey, asshole. We grew up 15 minutes from Giant Stadium. You're a fucking Cowboys fan? You're just jealous. The pain tolerance that comes with being a professional athlete has to be intense. Because even on a baseball side, let's just say it's something like a bad wrist or a bad calf or something like that you're going out there every single day it's yeah. not like you just be like ah you know what guys i'm gonna take a week off yeah i'll get back to you and they do they've got the disabled list we're not but, trying to make these guys out to be completely you know spartan even, warriors yeah, here but at the same time the dl though like you're still get like you're going there every day and doing treatment and stuff the the, the dl is just to, you're to actively try to heal things yeah uh, but like if you watch if you watch like hard knocks something like that like guys who are trying to make it make a team in the nfl the stuff that they play through like they're like oh yeah like he's got like a he tore an mcl but he's gonna be he's gonna be back we expect him back by the end, end of the week and you're like what the fuck yeah like, most people wouldn't walk around like that. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's really insane. No, it is. It is, and actually, you know, it's unfortunate when you think about it that, um, you know, not even really weighing into the whole politics of, um, marijuana, for example. Yeah. And I actually feel like well, as the breeze blows in, that I may be catching a walk from somewhere out you're there. You're like surrounded <laughs> by it in here. There's so <laughs> much. <in it. laughs> So anyway, uh, that all being said, um, and, and that's perfectly fine with me. I call it gardening on my show. That's that's how I refer to it. Well, listen, like I told you, when I smoke, I've been smoking since last year, and I've put on a lot of weight. Yeah. I mean, I was always, always bigger, but, but hey, I always have that figure. I look like Jennifer Lopez. I have oh, okay. All right. Very nice. That's that's nice. I still have her ass to, to this day. You can you, you want me to send you pictures? Absolutely. No question about it. So, all right. So, good. So, I'm sorry. You you were saying that this morning you were doing something about the pain that you were in? I, I woke up and I took a little toke out of the little... This guy has this cute little, like, a, it looks like an elephant thing, like a pipe, like you smoke at the weed. I saw your Facebook and your teacher at uh, Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Yeah. Good for you, you sick fuck. Nice. Good for you, you sick bastard. Good nice. For you. Nice. The painkiller culture of the NFL is pretty crazy. And yeah. when I worked on Artie Lang's uh, TV show slash radio show, his co-host was John Ritchie, who played fullback for the Raiders and then for the Eagles. And he talked about how he dealt with overcoming, um, you know, the pop pill culture from the NFL and how many of his teammates kind of never really pulled out of it to yeah. an extent because they just give these things out like candy and yet they don't want you to be able to you know have cannabinoids or you know be able to smoke any weed or anything like that you know josh gordon's getting gonna get thrown out of the league if he so much as gets a contact high next it, time but was it him who I, I think i heard saying that uh they they used to take like shots of whiskey in the locker room before before games too that was him yeah like that's that's how you know like that's how intense things are on sunday like when you got to get when you have to loosen up with a little bit of whiskey before you go out there. Cause like the NFL football players, when they go are doing the equivalent of like walking across like highway traffic. Yeah. Um, except I know. trying to hit you. No, it's true. I always think of like, and you know, it's, it's sometimes, honestly, I, I, and I love football tomorrow. I'll be out in my garage with yeah. my TV watching from the one o'clocks all the way through, you know, waiting all day till Sunday night. I will be out there watching it all day, but even me as a junkie on that level, 
will sit there and just say, "Ooh, man, that is tough to watch." Yeah, because you feel it. You feel, and you played uh, football, right? Yeah, I played through my sophomore year of college. Okay, so you actually been even further than I. Yeah, I played I, up through and, and you know uh, high school, but it's amazing to me. Like the thing that really hits me is the fact that they play professional football on a Thursday after having played on Sunday. That kind of That's not even so. right. Like I just cuz again, just having played in high school yeah. and you know, I came from a small school, so um I played every single snap. So yeah. I mean, I was out yeah, there for every single special teams, you know, defense, offense. So you're you're just drained of fluids basically yeah. when that game's over and you're just sore the next day from the the muscle uh, activity, let alone any kind of little nicks and bruises and whatever you may have. But um the sheer violence that is the NFL and then to turn around and play a game not even like three four full days later is insanity to me like I, don't, I really don't know what that must feel like for yeah. those guys I mean during a because during a football season you never feel a hundred percent during a football season if you feel 80 percent you're in great shape I think um and you usually you know don't get back to that 80 percent uh, until maybe four or five days after a game like but Tuesday, Tuesday of a practice week. If you played a game on Saturday, was still like moving your body and like getting into things was it was still a huge challenge. Yeah. Uh, usually by like Thursday of of a game week, like we I, we played our our games on Saturdays. I don't know if you guys were a Friday night. No, team. we were Saturday as well. We didn't have okay. lights and very few teams yeah. in our conference did. Yeah. So. Usually you didn't really like your body really didn't start feeling back with it for for me at least until Thursday. Sometimes even like Friday it was like okay, like we're now we can play this game again. Uh, to to do the NFL version of that and then be like, "Oh, you're flying in between cities." Uh, I didn't even mention that. It's so true. Yeah. And it's 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 insane. So if you play a, a late afternoon or an evening game on on a different coast and then you got to fly home, and then it's like that turnaround. You got to be in the in, you got to be in the film room, pretty much that day. So it's not gonna be an off day. That's no, it's not, true, man. Yeah. It, it, they don't sleep well. They get up early as hell. First of all, they have families, so half of them actually yeah. do have to get the kid ready for school or help their wife out with that or whatever it may be. Um, you know, it, it's so true. I think about that all the time. That's the thing. Like you watch the the guys who run across the middle and get cleaned out by safety. Obviously, that doesn't happen happen as much as it once did. And and uh, the other right. <laughs> And some of the collisions that uh, guys getting hit on their on their knees and stuff like that, you know, you feel that and, and the concussions and all that stuff. But that's what really stays with me is the notion of like pulling your pads on on a Thursday yeah. and being like, "Fuck, we, I we feel like shit." Today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just not right. And again, like you said, that's with a Sunday schedule. Yeah, so it would be like playing a game on Wednesday yeah. if you were in uh, high school, and it's the big boy it's the grown-up version of it it's just insane it really is and i don't understand why i mean i get it that they want to start the games early and i get it that they want to have the thursday on the schedule early so that they have as many games as possible for for primetime tv but can you can you really just check your greed a little bit and make sure that it's like up against the team's bye week yeah so that they have that, that like, seems like a simple fix it's really like not that hard to figure out. Yeah. Just build the bye weeks in yeah. so that the team that's playing on Thursday has it's an actual week brief. off yeah. on either side. Yeah. I mean, and it might actually be in some ways a more effective uh, healing tool for teams. And I know it's really more a scheduling issue than it is that, but yeah. it's become that, obviously, and it is that. Um, it might actually be a little better for them to be able to space things out on either side and know this one's getting a little healthier, but we're still not going to be able to play them on that Thursday or this one's actually doing really well and this extra few days is going to get him there and we can play on thursday whatever um i don't know it's just it's nuts what these guys it, go through yeah, and they it, make it, a lot of money but not that much money yeah that alone but that was it was just space the games out to the way they should they should be spaced out yeah like it just a, it's just a common sense thing yeah uh if you're going to do all these other absurd things to protect players like i i'm sure you wanted to discuss the um, the rough in the past yeah, or clay thing. matthews and and burping and roughing and and all the other things we can do to the quarterback now yeah, it's really crazy. I mean, all right, so before we get into that, by the way, just so I can kind of keep track of, like, where we are with the recording and everything, how are, how are we right now? We are at 
37. Okay, so we're getting to the uh, to the back end of this particular. I guess we'll do, like we said, we'll do the two episodes. Yeah, we we'll have that. An hour and an put hour. that out there. Yeah. Let everybody take that in. He's Mike Montone. You can check him out on Facebook and Twitter with the Savage Crew. That's the Facebook page. The Twitter is just Mike Montone, Yeah, it's right? just at Mike Montone um, and at Gary underscore Moiler on uh, Instagram. The whole product is called the Savage Sack Tap. So if you're on anything, any social media platform and you search that, you will we'll show up eventually. So search for the Savage Sack Tap. What's Gary Moiler? So uh, that was, bef- you know, when I first started everything, um, I was, was when like the whole first firing people over social media stuff gotcha. started to come out. So I was like, uh, I should probably get an alias here. And I just kind of dug back to uh, my childhood and I was like, what should I use? And that was one of our old prank phone call names. So I was like, you know what? This this needs to be represented in the uh, you know in in what I'm doing. So All right, so was, you'll learn you'll you'll get to know uh, you'll learn this more about me that I have like um, I really enjoy way too much like stupid little radio bits and like ongoing thing like little yeah. things like that. So I think at some point we may have to come up with an with an alternate character like with a, somebody that we meet on the podcast oh, that's named Gary Moiler. Oh yeah, absolutely. If I. Um, if just a, every now and then Gary Moiler might show up. Yeah. If, the, and if there's anyone we can, uh, prank, he loves prank phone calls too. So if <laughs> okay, I, know, good. I know Marlo fell victim to, uh, to you and Baboots once. Yeah, that's great. Oh man. I totally forgot about that. Um, I'm trying to remember. I can't even remember like what the premise was that we called her with. Um, yeah, it's something about getting a car towed. Yes, that's exactly what it was. Uh, it was something to do with that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so, uh, Joe, Basically, you know, for, for I'm not trying to put him on blast, but I mean, he's got a little bit of a problem, it would seem, with paying parking tickets and stuff like that. He, so he, he just uh, doesn't pay him? I, it seems as though, like, for the longest time, these uh, yeah. tickets he got in New York, he was just like, eh, I guess they're optional. Well, I, no, they're really not. A, a good government uh, <laughs> Republican <laughs> is a scofflaw. Yeah, right, exactly. So he, um, That's funny. he actually got nabbed, I think, like going through the Holland Tunnel because he just basically hadn't. You know, yeah. and they had flagged it. So it was like, OK, you're, you're coming with us. So your car is getting impounded, whatever. So there was some legitimacy behind him, like having issues with this. And then uh, we um, we basically were like, OK, so at least she will buy this. You know what I mean? Yeah, so what did like did she borrow his car or something like that? Or? Yeah, something where um, she had uh, there was something like that. And then so we called her and we were like, you know, what did what did you do, Marlo? What did you do? And she's like, oh, my God, I don't know. What are you yeah. talking about? And, you know, eventually we felt bad enough that we were kind of like, all right, chill, chill. It's fine. That's but she great. still was was a little affected by it. So, yeah, yeah, that's all good stuff. And Marlo, of course, has been on this show before. I haven't seen her in a long time. Do you see her at the uh, uh, no, at Hudson uh, Street? She's uh, she, does she work for like the CBS uh, Sports Network? Or yeah, uh, she... I mean, she's like involved. I think on the TV side okay, almost more so now. Probably... Is that in the same place or no? No, they're up at uh, they're up at the Channel Two. Uh, they're on Fifty Seven. Oh, Street. all the way up yeah. there. Okay. I used to I used to go up there when it, uh, before the uh, before Entercom and. Uh, uh, CBS uh, officially kind of did the whole yeah the yeah. merge not merge I should say buyout or yeah it was well, it was a uh, it was a uh, CBS radio broke broke off as its own separate division and then uh, merged with Entercom gotcha the, so that's uh, what it is yeah. okay okay um, yeah so that's I mean the the times that I've done stuff on this show with Marlo and Baboots actually is pretty extensive but I haven't really done much recording with them in a while and and Joe. Um, I recently hung out with him. We talked about doing some more stuff, but it's just hard, man. You know, it's like that. That's why it's good that you kind of like reached out and said, look, let's do something here. Yeah. You've stayed very dedicated to doing all your all your content. Yeah, I've had. To, I mean, I've gotten actually like more into it over the past uh, year or so because, you know, the, you, you start doing it and you're like, you got to figure out how to do it. Yeah, it's like a big thing. You have to, be, to figure out how to do it and be any good at it right because i think everyone has an idea of what they want to do when they start it but you're 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 terrible when you start everyone is just fucking awful oh yeah no i mean it's it's fun for me in a way to go back and listen to some of the it's like it's like both it's fun and not fun to listen to it like it's kind of cringy yeah you're like well you're like a caricature of what you ultimately want to be right um but yeah so once i kind of figured out how to do it and you know what what worked and what didn't i was like okay now i need to do this more more often because it wasn't it wasn't cutting it, putting out like an episode a month, you know, with all these ridiculous production values and shit like that, you know, and, and doing like sound effects and everything. I yeah. was like, all right, but you're only doing like 
people there's no no way to build a regular listenership so you go more streamlined now like do you not even worry about production value in much as much or I, how does I that work will, like if there's something i really want to do like if i'm you know sitting sitting around with like a certain kind of buzz going and something pops into my head and i just think it's hilarious and i want to like <laughs> take the time to really put it together and do yeah, it then yeah. i totally will dropping six beats they called me dj nana but I don't. I used to go into episodes being like, I have to do a certain amount of this, and I was like, that's great. But there's like, there's enough content out there just talking about stuff going on. Like we yeah. live in such fascinating times that you don't. I don't just don't think you need to go so far to do all that stuff. Like you can just just read the news and share an interesting opinion. Yeah, and and it's sort of counterintuitive in a way in the sense that as much as that continues to be a thing where there's plenty of people willing to put their opinion out there and plenty of people that do get on mic or get on video or whatever it may be, the more and more we live in this society where you're going to be shamed for having certain opinions, the more and more you actually potentially can fill a niche by talking about things the way that people think about it, but they're afraid to say that they think yeah, about it. That's And that's the fun of doing the show. Like That's why I'm like, well, do you need the production, all the, the extraneous stuff or, or not? Well, no, because if you're doing this thing that no one else wants to, like, be, you know, there's just kind of like opinion left, opinion right, and there's a deluge of that. But if you're willing to really kind of like go down rabbit holes and talk from your own personal perspective on things, I think you get a lot more... A lot more out of it. It's more fun to do, too. I yeah. Think. No, you're right. This is you wanted me to toss your ass in the jackpot. Our, our ass is in the jackpot. We don't do something there. Sing it to my friends. You're not very smart. I've got a song. I ain't got no melody. And you smoke a lot of pot. I'm gonna sing it to my friends. Radio Misfits. Podcast network i hate flipping out radio so all right so i've got a few different things um that we can kind of get into and then also obviously save some meat on the bone for the second recording that we're going to do but the first thing uh that's on the tip of my tongue right now and i have a feeling it's not going to be any sort of spectacular story but i just like to i just like to ask and just know how you you've lived in north jersey your entire life right yeah you grew up in bergen county yes so, how did you become a Cowboys fan? Like, what's your story oh, as a Cowboys uh, fan? Yeah, this is, I've told this a uh, number of times, actually. So, when I was growing up, and there's a picture uh, hanging on the wall over there I can, uh, I can show you to, to really give you a feel for how tiny I was. I was like... For the record, I believe you that you're like, I, I do believe I know enough Cowboy fans from North Jersey that it's yeah. not like I'm looking at you like, uh, I'm not so sure. I know you are one. Yeah. I just need to know so how it is, happened. Yeah. This how is, you were infected with such a sickening so virus. My, so yeah. <laughs> you sound like my father. Um, and it's his fault, really. Um, is it really? Yeah. It's his, it's his fault. And um, is he Jets, Giants? Huge Giants fan. Okay. Yeah. Um, Good man. So what happened was I... They pass around the football flyer at school, and I had, you know, I... Like, sign up for football? Yeah, like the, oh, like, this is when football sign-ups are. And, like, I was like, oh, yeah, f- I, I need another sport. Like, we did base- we started baseball last year. Now, here's football. I should play football. Like, it just made perfect sense to exactly. me. I, I love sports. Let's now, play. had you played football, like, like what grade was this? Uh, second grade. It was, so, had you played, like, touch football or, like, throw the football around? Yeah, or, like, I, I had, like, a football at home and, like, you know, all this. It wasn't, like, something I was kept away from. Yeah. I think it was something at that time that my parents thought I would just have no interest in because I was so small. Gotcha. Like, okay. I, I was really, like, the, the T- tiny, tiny, kid, the tiny yeah. kid in my grade. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I never grew past, like, 5'7". So, right. Um, it's, if not for lifting weights, you'd know exactly what I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, right yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I came to them. I was like, I want to play football. And I think my mom was hesitant. Uh, and my dad was like, eh, you know, I played high school football. Let the kid play football. Yeah. So I did. And my mom was still paranoid. And so she's she. they made me go to a soccer practice. And they put me out on what the field. What do you field. mean? Just to say, like, wouldn't you rather yeah. maybe? That's that's where we're going okay. with this. Yeah. yeah. So they put me out on the field for, for soccer. And I just didn't, I didn't find it very interesting, but I liked running around with the other kids from school. So sure. Like, whatever, like kind of giggling, having yeah. know, stupid. Yeah, and I played soccer before yeah. I played football. I didn't hate it. It was, it was a sport. It's yeah. an athletic thing I that just, you're doing. You know, doing it, I had no interest in it. And I, even though I was small and terrible and swimming in the pads with football, I liked that. But I come off the soccer field 
it immediately before the, my parents could even reach the coach i talked to them and they're like oh the coach said you were the best one so you want to play this and i was just like even at like whatever i was like six years old i was like oh, that just sounds completely disingenuous <laughs> um, i was like i was like look i love playing sports it backfired yeah i was like i love playing sports um, the flattery didn't work. So I was like, I'll play both. Like, I'll play football and soccer. And like, no, you have to pick one. And they said you were the best at soccer. I was like, yeah, I'm going to stick with football. <laughs> and like, it was weird. Like, my, from, there was never any, like, on my father's part, like, like, hey, you want to watch the Giants or whatever. It was almost like, for my mother's sake, he was avoiding the subject of football with me. And they were like, you know, he'll get over it. He'll, you know, he'll get knocked down a few times and he'll want to quit. And then, so I, it was the early '90s. The other kids on the football team were like, "Yeah, the Dallas Cowboys. They're they're the jam." And I was like, "Okay, yeah, the Dallas Cowboys. Like that's I, I had no one else telling me anything, so it became the Cowboys." And then you know later I hit the growth spurt, and my my mother became like my biggest football fan. She was at every fucking game, ringing the cowbell and and cheering and hosting dinners and stuff. And and you know if only she had uh, taken to the sport ten years earlier. Perhaps I would have been a Giants fan yeah. or at least a Jets fan. but yeah. yeah. Well, see, and I'm sure I've told this story on the podcast before, so I'll give kind of the abridged version of it. But that being said, um, I didn't have any chance with the Mets. My father and my mother are both diehard Mets yeah, fans and, and like bonded too, yeah. over it you know, with each other. Yeah. So like there wasn't that was never going to be a thing. But uh, as far as football, you know, my dad is really more of a Jets fan, but he doesn't mind the Giants. And um, I played for a Montclair Cobra League team when I was in sixth grade that happened to be the Giants. And that was kind of around the time that I was like getting into pro football. So not only did I love Rodney Hampton just because I loved running backs for the Giants. I also played for the Giants, had like a little Giants logo on my helmet and kind of, you know, that greased the skids a little bit. And uh, they were awful, but they weren't. Jets awful yeah. and in my mind it was kind of a binary option yeah, Jets, I didn't really have you know thoughts of other teams or whatever it was Jets more awful just, is a, a totally different kind of and it was the awful. rich co-tight one in yeah. 15 year and I was just like you know I could kind of see the writing on the wall with the Mets at that point and I was yeah. like yeah, I think I better go Giants 500 <laughs> is better than <laughs> yeah I need to someone who actually has the potential to be a winner yeah and yeah. Then, yeah paid off uh, paid dividends. it did so. it did absolutely that's for sure I mean and that's the thing when you're a kid to connect back to the whole David Wright angle of things and how you maybe take for granted that there are just kind of douchebags who play sports yeah. and they just happen to be talented oh, and good time. at what they do and oh yeah also try try and train hard and and play well and all that kind of stuff but they're just not maybe the you know nicest person in the world you don't know a thing about what ownership does as a sports fan when you're a kid you, you certainly yeah. don't really understand that deep level of the business controls things until you kind of been around it for long enough and I don't even have to bring it up as a Mets fan. We know enough about the <laughs> Wilpons yeah, yeah. and what that a versus the, the Maras history, and yeah. the and the you know kind of just a, a, a like an, 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 yeah a, an unflinching dedication to yeah. winning on, on almost some sort of an extreme or you know with Steinbrenner obviously or or um, you know myopic focus on like a giant side or whatever versus just. Something different. Yeah, I don't know I mean, what for, else to say. For all you can say about Jerry Jones, the guy wants to win. Exactly. Um, we do not get that with the Will Punts. No, no. And I don't know exactly what it is. If they just kind of, if it's that they actually stir the pot in like the wrong way, if they kind of have their mindset just on it being a business asset. and that See, I feel as though, especially in the modern day, with how valuable these franchises are, and the fact that as a owner, as a member of that elite fraternity, you're just basically, you know, a billionaire because yeah, um, you have to treat it like a civic institution to an extent. And when the citizenry are so in upheaval, maybe you should look at each other and say, you know, what's going wrong here? What's yeah, going on? Why do we they never know, seem yeah. to have that introspective moment for whatever reason. Yeah. Maybe it's changing. I don't believe it. I could hope that it will someday, but I just don't see it. If and if it's just an ass, if you're just going to treat it as an asset, find something. There's something else you could do with the money. Exactly. I, I have to think would be yeah. way more profitable than running a middling baseball team that like i was at i was at the game the other night and there was nobody there yeah nobody yeah and, and was, they'll they'll do a crowd today because of the yeah. whole right thing but i mean but otherwise the place, the place would be empty yeah if you turn it on on a, a tomorrow right now, might might have like 500 people there yeah nobody yeah 
because uh, apparently Wright's not even going to pinch that tomorrow or anything. So, <laughs> why? I don't know. I don't. Why not? I don't know. I don't know. I guess you could hope that like the saving, game goes to like the twelfth or thirteenth inning. Really saving him for October. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, man, because that's a shame. You know, the two thousand fifteen team that that really kind of came out of nowhere to an extent, but they also had sort of built it the right way with the pitching and everything, and then that all fell apart at least for a while now it looks as though wheeler might be back so who even who even knows going into next year but um yeah it's a thing it's just a thing being a mess fan that's for sure and it appears as though cowboys fandom is kind of entering that territory these days too yeah we're in a weird place um we uh we had some uh, we you know your starting center gets uh, an autoimmune disease. Yeah, what is that? What's the, what's up with that? I I don't know. I think is it's that a hereditary just, thing? N- you know what? I think those like, I think you can just you can just catch them like from where like wherever like they're. Ch- um, <clears throat> I had like a I had like a it turned out to be like a dermatitis like a dust dust allergy but yeah. i was like recent like broke out like last year and i was researching all all this stuff like where, where this come from and like one of the things like that i read about was like it was like a minor autoimmune thing that lasts for like six weeks or whatever and it was like where do you get it like oh you just get it from other people and it's like how like just like riding the subway you can just get it that's pleasant um, so you know who knows where you know he's around, especially if you're in an NFL locker room. You're oh yeah, dude. Fifty guys. Oh, don't even get me started. Yeah. I mean, you could probably remember back to the oh, and yeah. even you played in high school, which actually maybe depending on what school they had nicer facilities or whatever. I don't know, but I mean the high school football locker room, and I don't know if Disgusting. you wrestled. I didn't. Disgusting I didn't wrestle. Place, yeah. I've heard that's even worse. Oh, the but. wrestlers used to walk around with ringworm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they they had to like spray like antifungal like foam on each other yeah, just to basically uh, kick. Tena- yeah, tough act and tenac. Yeah, you just gotta walk around dousing yourself. Yeah, like yeah. So the football locker room was absolutely disgusting because not only is it the the sweat, but it's also like mud and grass and like you know just horrific. nothing nothing gross, good. Gross, it's just foul. Conditions. It's foul. So um, you know, you think about the uh, NFL thing. What really creeps me out, like actually make, gives me kind of the heebie-jeebies, is the MRSA thing. Oh yeah, How, I like, got I got staff. Damn, yeah. did you yeah. really? Yeah, my, from football? Uh, no, I think it was in the off season, definitely from the gym or something like that. Um, I just had like a cut on my uh, elbow and like it, it blew up, and I had to go to the the hospital and just sit there for a couple of days while they drained it out. Yeah, yeah it was nasty stuff. Some kid from uh, a receiver from Lycoming. Uh, college out in pennsylvania when we were in school uh, actually uh, he died of it wow um, while they were in a uh, a division three playoff run yeah that stuff that it's, stuff crawls it's in disgusting gyms. Yeah. i mean yeah. and and the thing that really creeped me out was like they were talking about how the um especially like the older astroturf yeah that stuff would just live on there like in perpetuity my muhlenberg that was our field was it was true, like AstroTurf. Yeah, like, now, like an actual Brillo pad, like yeah. rip, like rip, give you the road rash if you go on it the wrong yeah. way. Yeah, you had to play in uh, like sneakers. Yeah, you, we didn't. You, there was like no like, even like a, a turf shoe or anything. Like, no, nah, like you no. played in like running shoes. Exactly. Um, yeah, uh, they had this uh, bottle of stuff they called Red Death that they would spray on it uh, after you like if you took a slide and you got turf burn. They would spray it on, and it, it made your skin feel like it was on absolute fire. Yeah, that's uh, gnarly. Yeah, it was it was terrible, yeah. terrible stuff. Yeah, no. So um, you think about that, and just kind of how um, you know prevalent it seems as though that can be with the with the flesh eating bacteria, MRSA, Disgusting, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah it really. Um, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I can't. I forget how we like actually got on that particular. Oh, we were topic. talking about uh, Travis Frederick. Oh yeah. The, uh, so Cowboys. yeah, you're saying there might have been some situation like that, right? Yeah. Just uh, just something you can kind of kind of pick up, and uh, yeah, then that the 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 struggles the Cowboys are having offensively this year, and then Jason Witten, you know, retired uh, out of kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, well, so. I mean, I, all I know is that every single game that he played against the Giants, he caught like eight catches for a hundred yards uh, and a touchdown. Oh, uh, and what I every single yeah, time, and in what I think might be like one of the great Tony Romo um, comeback drives of of all time was, uh, I think it was two thousand opening the opening game, the opening game yep. that, that Sunday. I night I remember game. it well. Yeah, 
and then they hit him across the middle, like just inside the end zone. For yeah, a like he, they hit him around the one, and he just big boyed his way, sort uh, of like spun yeah. and had the ball over the goal line. Yep, I remember yeah, that. That was uh, that was for whatever reason when the Giants and Cowboys played each other week one for like seven straight which years, was, I, which I love. <laughs> I love as a uh, I love as a week one matchup, but I cannot stand what, watching them at eight o'clock or on Monday night. Like yeah, I I really prefer to watch my guys play at. Even just the one o'clock game. Yeah. Like even well, four, four o'clock. Eight, it's like, cause I don't know if you, you feel know. the same way, but it's almost like you don't enjoy that early game. Cause you're kind of like yeah. your mind's elsewhere. All you care about extent. is the game. Yeah, exactly. And even if, like, even if you don't watch the, the one o'clock game, you're just like, I'm just going to wait for, for my guys to come on and you try to like get something else. It's just like, yeah, let me, I, I want, I want the game right now. No, you're right. You're right. And actually, uh, the one, the nice thing about one o'clock is even if they lose, you can at least wash, rinse, repeat with football the rest of the day. Yeah. I'm not going to watch Sports Center or highlights that's for the always, rest of the yeah, week. That's rough. But at least I can watch football for the rest of the day. Yeah, it's always rough. Well, as you run into halftime of the game you're watching later, and like, and if you yeah. missed it earlier in the afternoon, and, and it's then like, you're oh, some crushing play. On. Yeah, Ezekiel Elliott stepping out of bounds before running oh, back that, in. Sorry, and then sorry. Fumble, yeah, and then fumbling <laughs> uh, late. In the game. Yeah, that's like it's like those two two moments in that game that yeah. could have actually been. Been in, but yeah, the offense has been been anemic. Well, you know, season. look, what can you say? I, I, honestly, when it comes to the Cowboys, they had a very specific thing that was their calling card. It wasn't that they were loaded at wide out. It wasn't that you know Jason Witten was in his prime. It's that rogue greater offensive line. And if yeah. you lose the center, yeah. not to mention that uh, who else is out for them? Somebody else, right? One of the tackles or something um, like that. Yeah. Or did right, they lose somebody to free agency? Or yeah. Uh, right now they're 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 playing like Joe Looney and I mean like Lyle Collins and Tyron Smith are both very good football players. Yeah. Uh, but they're not, you know, without I mean Travis Fre- Fredericks. Of, yeah. You know he's an, an all uh, all, all pro, pro center. Yeah, so, and, he, so and he's not, the linchpin of the line, obviously being yeah. there. Uh, the center so yeah i mean what are you gonna do so anyway that makes sense then with the uh the football story that's really what i wanted to get to the bottom of all right so we'll take probably this particular episode towards the end here right like what, yeah, what we're time hitting, we're, uh, we're just about to hit an hour just about to hit an hour so we'll wrap this one up put a little bow on it this will be one of our episodes here on uh, radiomisfits.com my name is james flippin you can follow me on twitter at jama drop j-a-m-a-d-r-o-p and he's mike montone check out the savage sack tap on any number of those social media platforms um i just want to say that with the whole going back to the kavanaugh thing quickly because um i'm sure next episode if we get into it it'll be some sort of weird alternate angle of it or we'll, we'll find yeah, some definitely. other we'll, ha- we'll find some other thing to go down and make it a little more like evergreen and social concept uh discussion or whatever but uh i can't help it when i'm in new york city i sort of like imagine that every single person i'm around feels a certain type of way about kavanaugh's a scumbag he definitely did that shit i you know i trust this woman i hate this guy you know all this kind of stuff yeah so this just kind of probably gives you insight into my sense of humor there's it's so hard like i, I would never do this because i don't want to get my ass kicked or cause problems or whatever but i'd love to be in a subway car and just be like confirm kavanaugh and just yes <laughs> yeah I've, and just see what happens i've you know I, i've thought about it, actually i have a uh I, obviously I, I, I was a gary johnson guy in uh 2006 that's right yeah, yes but, i knew uh, that yeah um, i mean that's because i mean his his platform really reflected Every yeah. almost every policy position that I I agree with right, uh, but um, I do have uh, I'll, I'll I'll I buy MAGA hats all the time for, like yeah. a goof, yeah. like like a bachelor party or something <laughs> like that or like to screw around and make videos with right. So I, I have uh, down at my parents' shore house I have a Make America Great Again hat. And I'm always like it would be so much fun to w- walk around the city wearing this. Yeah. But like the thing is like there's just so many nut jobs in New yeah, York City carrying it, razor blades. No, seriously, just, like, man. It goes to a different level with these people. And I mean, again, it, like we said, you see people tweet things like, it's too late to be civil. Like, the time is now to yeah. take action. And you're like, you're actually talking about hurting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's no, that, not, not yeah. what we're doing here. No. And that's what sucks, man, is like, that's honestly, to, to put a final little, you know, get my political spiel out of the way, um, when it comes to people who consider themselves more on the kind of you know democratic side, you can't help but question people's motives when they have a clear established pattern of just not really respecting the rule of law. Yeah. The fact that the Second Amendment's a member, uh, an aspect of the Bill of Rights, they don't want to hear it. Yeah. The fact that citizenship laws exist. 
They don't want to hear it. The fact that it's against the law to do heroin, they want to set up warehouses where guys can go do heroin. Presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Oh, here's your blessing. The most American podcast ever created. You sick fuck. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, that, like, like that, and that one we might even dislike. I'm. If you want safe injection sites, I think are, I think would are helpful. And I'm not even trying yeah. to, you know, look, I understand the literature. I understand yeah. the research. I'm not even trying to push back yeah. against it. I'm just saying that you guys kind of have a reputation for, like, just taking the law into your own hands. Yeah. So uh, don't go crazy for me wondering if this might be another one of those instances. You yes. Know? I think that's, that's all I'm saying. That's a very, very good way of putting that's it. That's all I'm Absolutely. saying. Um, and the last thing I'll say about it is that, you know, uh, this is just one of those things that, for whatever reason, got stuck in my head. Uh, you know the Van Halen song, Panama? Uh, you've been wondering if back when he was hanging out with his friends in the 80s, if the, if he walked around going, Kevin Yeah, yeah. dude! Have you had I've that I've been pondering thought? that all week, <laughs> yeah. Black dude declared the roughest time is over. I just can't help but picture. I, 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 there's one of my buddies I want to text that thought to, but I don't know how to make convey that in, yeah. in writing. But Dude, because yeah. like, I picture them like, and this is terrible, but like I picture them doing keg stands and then yeah. just being like, Kavanaugh! I was picturing them when they uh, when they allegedly turned the music up with uh, Dr. Ford blasting. Uh, yeah, blasting. Oh, it's so terrible. We're going to help, and that's about it. So anyway, right uh, Flipping Out Radio, he's Mike Montone. I'm James Flippin, and we appreciate you checking us out on this episode, RadioMisfits.com. Heaven's very good. All right. So good. So I think we'll have that one, and then we can kind of do another yeah, one. Let me, and... let me break this one off. Perfect. Kevin, I was picturing them when they uh, when they allegedly turned the music up with uh, Dr. Ford blasting. Uh, blasting. Oh, it's so <laughs> terrible. We're going to hell. <laughs> This has been a Flippin' Out Radio production. The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at RadioMisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. I hate Flippin' Out Radio.